Another week of football has passed, and it's another week with brutal injuries, both in the NFL and college football. We're going to look ahead to what looks like on paper to be a tremendous week of college football. And have we seen the end of the Nick Saban dynasty at the University of Alabama? We're going to talk about all that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Sorry for the delay, everybody. I think I clicked the wrong background here. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're here in spirits uh, as, as we go through for the start of this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube. There we uh, go. Uh, we're we're on we screen now. We're on screen All right. Now. Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, I had to click the wrong overlay. Uh, everyone, welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Bushorst, joined always by my co-host Shane P. Howell. Shane, we are 217 days, 22 hours, 57 minutes, and 48 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. We are. Kind of a, a dud college week to me in, in many ways, but uh, this upcoming week is, is tacked with a bunch of games Loaded. we'll be talking about, so I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, a dud in some ways, yes. Uh, for everyone, uh, if you're watching live in the chat and you have a draft question or a football question in general, uh, ask it in the chat. Uh, you can also ask it on Twitter at Draft Countdown. Or if you're a member of our Discord, you can go to there and ask us as well. If you're not a member of our Discord, please go to DraftCountdown.com, the top right corner of the search bar, and there's a link to join the Discord uh, there. And we ask everybody, if you are new to the channel, please like uh, the videos, subscribe to our channel, and be notified of whenever we go live with these shows. Uh, Shane, uh, it was a dud week for the most part, but some brutal injuries and some not as brutal, but still bad, uh, both in the NFL and college football. I guess we got to start with Monday night, the game. I know you were watching, Shane, and uh, I was not watching at the time, and uh, – Twitter told me that they're not showing the replays of the Nick Chubb injury, but I did seek it out just because I felt like I had to see it. And uh, it was every bit as bad as everybody described it to be. Yeah, and, and it sucks for Nick Chubb. I mean, he's been one of the best running backs in the NFL since coming into the league, you know, and we know from a draft perspective, I mean, he had um, that knee, had an ACL injury previously tore up it's the exact same knee 
So we'll, we'll see what the prognosis is. I'm, I'm still hoping maybe it's a little bit better and, and uh, you know, he'll be able to come back and play again and be back to full strength in a year. But, yeah, it, it looked, looked pretty brutal out there, unfortunately. He was placed on full injury reserve today, so his season is over. Um, when I saw, saw the video, it eerily reminded me of – Marcus Lattimore uh, in college against Tennessee, where his he was planted and a defender came in from the other side and hit his knee and uh, the leg didn't move, but the knee did. And it and I don't know if the same damage happened, but Marcus Lattimore's kneecap dislocated, and when it did, it basically shredded every ligament that you can have in the knee, and he never really played a useful down of football ever again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thankfully we are 10 years in the future. Medicine's come a long way since then. Marcus Lattimore probably would have come back if had that happened today. So I'll keep holding that hope. Yeah. Um, There was some other injuries in college football. I want to talk about one that just came across today that kind of took me aback a little bit. Uh, LSU defensive back Greg Brooks Jr. had a brain, a large brain tumor removed. And, I mean, I don't, we don't know much more other than that, but hopefully, I mean, you hope for the best here for a full recovery for, for Brooks. Yeah, I ho- hopefully a full recovery and there's nothing more, you know, to it. Uh, but, you know, it, it can be, it can be a difficult, recovery but if there's no nothing cancerous anything like that it's something you can definitely recover from um you know look luckily they caught it before anything worse happens so so hopefully uh, we'll see him again yeah brooks was definitely a draftable prospect in this year's class um one of the top offensive tackle prospects um in this year's class is george's amarius mims uh, he got rolled up on uh, in the first half against South Carolina, a little friendly fire there, I believe, and uh, bad ankle injury for him. Their timetable looks to be four to six weeks for him, so we will see him again this season in all likelihood. Yeah, um, I, I know they. there was some discussion of ankle surgery. Um, you know, it's probably going to have to happen on him, but like you said, hopefully he can come back. And, uh, and be good to go. But definitely, that's a big loss for Georgia offensive line. He was playing well, really well this year. I still put him fairly high in my mock draft this week, um, just assuming that he'll be back to full health. Yeah, uh, definitely competing in that uh, offensive tackle three range. You know, some had him, some had him higher than Joe Alt. Uh, I know, like, Dane Brugler and those guys were really high on Mims. Um I don't know if he was a draftable quarterback prospect, but former Texas quarterback transferred to Florida Atlantic. Casey Thompson uh, tore his ACL uh, this past weekend. He's uh, done for the year. Yeah, and he's definitely one of those guys who needed, you know, needed everything to go right probably to get drafted. Yeah, Yeah, and and so that that just always sucks. Uh, And final injury we'll talk about. uh, South Carolina wide receiver Juice Wells had been banged up coming into the game. Uh, Look fine on the – catch and run there for the touchdown in the first half against Georgia. But uh, he turns out he had a a broken bone in his foot, had a screw basically holding the foot together and re-injured that. Um, 
Beamer said, uh, he, Coach Beamer, Shane Beamer said he doesn't think it's a seizing ending injury. Um, but if you've already had a screw holding a, your bone foot together, it doesn't sound promising, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't sound good. I'm interested to learn some more because he's such a dynamic player last year uh, for, right. for you guys and in South Carolina. I, I, I can't see I, – I, I don't know. I, I can't see him playing again this season with that. Uh, my, my question becomes, does he come back? I, I, in another year, I think he's only a fourth-year player, so he would have probably another year to stay. Um, well, I guess we'll see on that. But uh, so yeah, some, just any anybody else get hurt that I missed? No, I, I think that's the big ones at least. Um, you know, there's definitely been some, you know, some NFL smaller injuries and college football smaller injuries. But uh, yeah, that's it's always tough. I wish we could just turn injuries off. I wish that would be an option yeah. like it is in in the video games. Yeah, yeah. Um, we did have a massive trade today, Shane. <laughs> massive yeah uh, the rams traded running back cam Akers to minnesota and what may be the biggest bag of balls ham sandwich trade i've ever seen the two teams swapped conditional late round picks in the 2026 nfl draft yeah basically it means it's probably not going to be anything if they're i don't know we don't know what the conditions are as the time we're recording this but they're probably not anything obtainable. Like it's probably just get them off the books, take the salary. I mean, the Rams had, had he was inactive last week. He was inactive for multiple games a year ago. Sean McVay obviously has had enough of Cam Akers, uh, Kyron Williams, the old Notre Dame running backs kind of taken over there. So I, I, I think it's good for the Viking. Like I, I'll, I'll do that deal all day. I mean, he uh, 2020 is a rookie, very talented player, second round pick, uh, almost a uh, top 50 pick and he's picked 52. So yeah, Alexander Madison's been pretty awful and uh, Cam Akers was pretty bad last year too, but hopefully maybe with both, maybe you can find something uh, to get going there. The Vikings have the least rushing yards through two weeks in the NFL. He, um, there is a relationship there with uh, Vikings head coach, Kevin O'Connell, correct? Yep. Yep. Uh, O'Connell was there in uh, with the Rams. So. Uh, week two of the NFL in the books. Um, at least one of our teams is one and one there, Shane. Uh, I can't <laughs> say the same for the Bengals now. Oh, and two again for the second consecutive year. Um, but I, we kind of have to start if we're going to talk about the NFL, we kind of have to start with the Bears here, right? This team is a complete in a complete shambles right now. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the coaching criticism that's come out from quarterback Justin Fields, that's come out from kind of sources around the league that basically, you know, Luke Getze and the, the entire Eberflus and the entire Bears coaching staff is pretty, um, you know, that just doesn't know what's happening. And then, you know, we have what kind of happened today that isn't really fully fleshed out. The defensive coordinator resigned um, and you know, I'm going to speculate since we don't have exact details on that yet, but it might be some some pretty bad things on top. It's just like, ugh, it's going to be a mess there in Chicago. Yeah, rumors of FBI raids and such. It's yeah. I have no idea. I don't even know what the rumors are. Okay. I may have 
I'm gonna ask ask you after the episode because yeah. I I, I, I kind of I when you hear FBI raids, you can take a guess as to what it, yeah. it is. You know, and, and everything's always kind of speculative, and there's been uh, confirmation and and the opposite on both sides. So either way, the Bears are not in a good spot, and they also don't own. Uh, you know, they also are a team that uh, you know traded up to get Fields and. They're not a super young team. Like it, it's just not a good situation, I think, for the Chicago Bears in terms of what their future outlook looks like. No, it doesn't sound good at all. Um, any other observations? Week two of the NFL. I, you know, I, I made a tweet just that when I when I look, I mean, this is this draft. I think we all know if you're listening to this podcast, right? Caleb Williams is going to be the number one overall pick, the quarterback from USC. I'm looking at the teams that are 0-2. I know it's only two weeks. But, you know, we start looking at that draft order, right? Like my next 2024 mock draft, I'm going to do the current draft order. I've been holding out on it. Um, but by my account, there's about 10 teams in the NFL that wouldn't take him number one overall. They'd probably trade the pick. And four of the teams, four of those 10 don't have any wins right now. Now, what one of them doesn't have their own first-round pick uh, in the Houston Texans. But uh, – you know, uh, but the Bengals, the Chargers, you know, two teams that just uh, that obviously aren't going to be number one overall pick bad. No. We know that's not going to happen. Um, and, you know, the Panthers could be, uh, you know, they're they're not going to, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to make that happen either. Um, last thing on those teams that are 0-2 and, and one of those teams that could have the number one overall pick uh, the New Orleans Saints had a chance to have that number one overall pick uh, potentially from the Denver Broncos and passed on it to get the uh, 2023 first round pick of San Francisco's. Uh, in hindsight, Shane, uh, could that have been a tactical error by our favorite GM, Mickey Loomis? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't think Denver is going to be that bad, you know, I, I, either. Um, but it definitely could have been a tactical error. I think it would have been nice. It would have felt good to have that Broncos number one, you know, first round pick. Um, I think it would be, it would be interesting if say Carolina gets the number one overall pick, Chicago has their first rounder. Let's say Justin Fields bounces back and plays really well. What do you do? You know, I think that could make for some interesting NFL draft drama as well. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, all I know is if Denver ends up with the number one overall pick, Brian Brzee better be a hell of a player. Better be, better be really good, right? He better be Aaron <laughs> Donald. <laughs> uh, all right, that's enough of the NFL. Uh, let's move on to week three of college football. And uh, we, like you said, it wasn't, wasn't a quality schedule of games i didn't stay up late enough to watch colorado colorado state which was the game of the week and blew my mind when i saw that over nine million people watched that game that kicked off at 9 p.m central 10 east kicked off at 10 eastern after 10 eastern and nine million people watched that game that that just blows my mind it shows you the effect of uh coach prime there with uh colorado it, it definitely has been 
interesting to see that happen. I think the beating of TCU kind of blew things up. And I think I think it's pretty big that his son is the quarterback, too. I'm not sure it would hold the same weight if it was, you know, random guy uh, transfer from Texas Tech that came in and was the quarterback of Colorado. I think seeing Shadur Sanders playing for his dad, uh, who you know, an NFL Hall of Famer, uh, I think has, uh, you know, has been super interesting. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they didn't play very well in that game. <laughs> they should have should have beat the doors off Colorado State at least a little bit more. Knock on to overtime. Um, so I, I it's not going to be my pick of the week. I, I think Oregon might win by fifty against Colorado um, this week just to make a statement uh, here. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, we are going to talk about that game a little bit more in detail uh, later. But let's get to our uh, players, the best players that we watched last week. And, uh, Shane, I'll let you start on offense because it seems you're going back-to-back offensive tackle. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect to, but I'm going with BYU offensive tackle, uh, Kingsley Suamateia. And I, I tweeted this. I think, he, I think this was the single best game I've seen from any prospect so far this college season, even some of the great, you know, performances from quarterbacks and running backs. I mean – they beat Arkansas 38 to 31. And I think uh, Sua Mateia was responsible for two of those touchdowns himself. Like uh, they're a true freshman running back. I think it's true freshman running back. LJ Martin was starting for them. And I mean, they were pulling him from the left tackle spot and he's just like blowing guys up. There was one touchdown where he literally um, basically blocked two guys for that touchdown to happen, that rushing touchdown to happen. Um, and he, almost every contact that uh, Suamateya made was like pancaking guys and, and pretty good technique. Just the athleticism. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. We talked about it last week. was off the charts. I mean, I, you could see it plain as day on film. So if you, you're going to watch him, watch this game and see these seal blocks where he is creating space and creating offensive yards. I've never seen an offensive tackle have this kind of impact on a game like this. Wild to hear you say that. Um, I know. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he ends up as a top 10 pick or offensive tackle three, but um, after watching this game, it's hard not to put him there. Well, my offensive player of the week is uh, a running back. And I talked about him a little bit last year, but uh, South Alabama running back with Damian Webb, only 5'7", but he's a stocky 5'7". He's like 205, 207, 210, something like that. He's a little short, compact, well-built runner, but he's got some explosive speed, and he showed that against Oklahoma State And what was a complete beatdown. South Alabama goes on the road to Stillwater, beats Oklahoma State 33-7 to in a game that was never in doubt at any point in this football game. They were the better team, dominant from bell to bell. Uh, Webb had a 65-yard touchdown run in the second half, 18 carries for 151 yards, two touchdowns uh, in the win. With Damian Webb, South Alabama. Big win. I mean, huge win for that program, right? I mean, I, I mean, is this like a difference-making win? Is there something you can think about for South Alabama that's been similar? Because um, this is – I don't think – you can correct me if I'm wrong. You're in Mobile. I don't think this was a team that people expected to be you know, one of the, one of the better South Al- best South Alabama teams they've had in the past decade. 
Actually, no. They were they did come into this season with bigger expectations because they won ten games a year ago. Um, basically, it was you know they're they're contenders. They'll have a big conference game coming up in two weeks. They'll play James Madison on the road, and so that'll be that might be the true test. But I would not be surprised at this point. You know, they had the lost to Tulane in week one that wasn't great. But if they can run the table, don't be surprised if they're not uh, in contention for the uh, uh, New Year's Six Bowl spot uh, from the group of five. If they can run the table, that's a big if. But yeah. um, if they can happen, I, they're, they're a very good team. Uh, a, lot, a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, uh, Who's uh, your defensive player this week, Shane? Uh, another guy that wasn't maybe big on the stat sheet. I feel like defensively I've had a lot of those where it's not necessarily stat sheet guys, but Cedric Gray, linebacker for North Carolina uh, against Minnesota in a game where, where they took Minnesota to the woodshed. Uh, seven tackles on the game, but he, he played in so many different roles. Gray, can, I think he could play inside backer. I think he could play weak side or strong side. They had him blitzing the quarterback, get a QB hurry, drop him back into zone coverage. Uh, man-to-man coverage on on uh, Brevin Span Ford, which is not an easy task for a linebacker to cover that uh, tight end. Maybe, a, boy. Uh, maybe a, yeah, maybe a top 100 tight end in this class broke up a pass uh, in coverage. Uh, and Cedric Gray, I mean, a very great wrap-up closing tackler. Um, so very impressive on the mental side as well. So, you know, he, he's not a name that I think it's getting talked about a lot, but has an outside shot, I think, to be linebacker one in this class. I think he had a sack and a half against South Carolina as well in the opener. Yeah. Um, played so, well in that game. Yeah, played very well. So that's, you know, two out of three games where he's he's stood out uh, that we've seen. So Cedric Gray, name to watch uh, going forward. Uh, my defensive player of the week was a guy we didn't even have on the watch list uh, before this week. He is now. Because uh, he is draft eligible, I didn't. I didn't know that. He's a third year, third year player at South Carolina defensive lineman T.J. Sanders, uh, former four star player, uh, did most of this in the first half against Georgia, but nine tackles overall in the game from the interior, eight solo tackles as an interior defensive lineman in this game. Six of those came in the first half. He had six tackles all solo in the first half. Uh, two tackles for loss, had a sack and a pass deflection in this game. Like I said, obviously, you know, he along with the rest of the South Carolina defense just started getting leaned on in the second half by those big Georgia linemen and, and kind of got wore out because the offense couldn't stay on the field long enough to give them a breather. But uh, Sanders, uh, a eye-opening game and a, uh, a game to put him firmly on the radar. Yes, yeah, super interesting. I'm interested to see if he keeps playing well. And you're, you know, you'll obviously be watching the South Carolina games as a fan if he's someone that uh, maybe props up. South Carolina's had some good defensive linemen uh, come out the past couple of years. Yeah, they have. I mean, talking him away and Alex Huntley were the two that we all knew about coming into this season. And uh, Sanders has kind of emerged as that third guy and, and maybe even surpasses them as, uh, you know, Starts getting more in the rotation, more snaps. Uh, we'll see. I said I don't even know what his snap count was in the game the other day for him to get this amount of uh, get this amount of play. Right, so let's move on now to week four 
of college football. And we mentioned that this was a big week. Seven games uh, this week matched teams that are ranked in the top 25. Uh, We're going to talk in depth about four of them. The three that we are not watching are Florida State and Clemson, or not, you know, watching, or not, we're not going to talk tonight. Florida State and Clemson, UCLA and Utah and Iowa Penn State, all three of those games uh, involving top 25 matchups. Uh, quickly, Shane, anything that you want to talk about from those games? I mean, I'm excited to watch those games too. I'm sure I will be tuned in before the podcast next week on those. I'm excited for Florida State Clemson because I think that's going to be a big determining factor in the ACC. So um, I'll be interested in all those. I have a rooting interest in that game. Uh, Or a rooting against interest, I should say. But let's get to the eight games we are watching this week, Shane. Starting tomorrow night on ESPN, I'll be watching at 6.30 p.m. Georgia State at uh, Coastal Carolina. Uh, A lot of talk this week. He's not on our watch list. I want to wait until after this game. I want to watch him to see if he he needs to be added. a six-year quarterback, Georgia State, Danny Granger. Uh, I saw Emory Hunt and a few others talking about him uh, on Twitter the other day. So I want to, you know, see if he's worthy uh, from this game. But the other quarterback opposite of him, I feel like we've been talking about now, Shane, for three full years on this podcast. Uh, Grayson McCall, the quarterback from Coastal Carolina. Is he an NFL quarterback? I don't know. Uh, I think Sam Pinckney, his wide receiver, is an NFL wide receiver, though. Yeah, look, Granger's been great for my college fantasy team. So, either way, I'm uh, hoping for a big game here from him. Um, you mentioned McCall. I think the running backs for Coastal Carolina uh, are, are all pretty good and going to make camps. Braden Bennett uh, and Reese White specifically are kind of two two of the best uh, from, you know, from Coastal Carolina and have been for a couple years running the football for them. So, it, it, it's going to be good. That, that Coastal Carolina system, though, is always tough to, to assess. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, you know, you say that. I, I am curious. They have a new head coach now. Yeah. So I, I don't know if the offense has been modified at all. I have no idea. I guess I'll find out tomorrow night. Uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. And I 100% know why you chose this game on ESPN Plus, Shane. It's Cornell at Yale. And it ain't because of the big red. It's because of the big offensive tackle, the big uh, interior offensive lineman from Yale, Kieran. Omega G, Omega. Well, anyway, yeah. six four three eighteen, fifth year player. Uh, senior Bowl's been all over this guy. Uh, Jim Nagy all over this guy from the get go. Yeah, I, I actually think both Yale offensive linemen are potential draftable players. Um, you know, you, you mentioned um, Kieran Omega G. He's kind of a big moving athletic uh, interior lineman that can pull and also look out for Jonathan Mendoza, their offensive tackle six, eight, three fifteen is supposed to run like a four five, like, like super athletic uh, four five. Yeah. And then the four fives. So, well, it's probably six, eight, three fifteen. Yeah. Well, like, I, like I, I, it feels a little bit like a tall tale. So I, I will see if I'm not believing it, but there's been some talk that, um, so that that he's he's like one of these super athletes that's just gonna rock the athleticism charts and possibly be um, rising up draft boards. So keep keep an eye out on both these guys. Yale, a team with uh, with some big uglies that might get both get drafted. 
There you go. Uh, 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. Shane, you'll be watching SMU at TCU. I feel like we one of us has watched this game every year the last three years. Yeah, I think so. Um, we saw TCU in the opener against – the whole world saw them in the opener against Colorado just get mollywopped uh, in that game. But TCU has some talented players on their roster. I am curious to get your take because I know he's waited his turn at SMU, but – he was really hyped up as a high school player when he committed to SMU. Preston Stone at quarterback. Uh, what's your take on, on on him and any other player in this game? Yeah, I've been impressed with Preston Stone so far. I mean, a good arm. Um, I really like the zip that he has on the, on the ball. It definitely has. He's only a third-year player. He, he has – and it started a little bit last year, but not too much – has some progression to make, I think, on the mental side, but could be an NFL quarterback down the line. I think, you know, if he stays for five, six years and, and really develops. So I'm interested to see how he does against this TCU secondary. You know, TCU hasn't exactly uh, reloaded, but I really like Josh Newton, their cornerback, their number one corner, uh, physical at the line of scrimmage. He's really intriguing to me. Um, Jared Wiley, the tight end. Had a big game against Colorado uh, and was a big force at 6'7", 255, blocking and catching the football. So in, interested in those players as well. Yeah, um, Savian Williams, their uh, big wide receiver, 6'5", 214, another big wide receiver there. Um, Marcel Brooks, I like as a linebacker. Uh, the game that literally everybody is going to watch is at 2.30 on ABC. And that's just, like I said, based off the fact that 9 million people watched a game at uh, midnight. Um, it's Colorado at Oregon. This game's on ABC. Probably going to do a monster number, I would imagine. Um, we, we know about Shadir Sanders. Travis Hunter not going to play. He's out because of the cheap shot hit. Uh, but we'll see Shadir Sanders. Uh, Horn has been a good wide receiver for them. It's your Jimmy Horn. Uh, as well as Xavier Weaver, a fifth-year wide receiver. So he does have solid targets to throw to against Oregon. Uh, they're going to have to put up a lot of points this week So I think Oregon's going to be out to score a lot. And Bo Nix on the biggest stage now will get a chance to convince me here. Turn me around. Get me well, back in the column. I, I, I love what more you need from Bo Nix. He's yeah, been right. consistently uh, good for he's now. He's been consistently good for two year years two now. Games. He has put yeah. Auburn behind him. Uh, yes. That that The Auburn tape is in the rear view. Um, Jordan Birch, the South Carolina transfer, has been awful by all accounts here through three weeks. Uh, I don't wish ill on the kid. I hope he gets it turned around. I really thought he was becoming a better player than that uh tell, tell me about troy franklin their wide receiver i know he is he is well well thought of he yeah he troy franklin really needs to be more on the radar i think of the nfl draft a lot of people at 6'2 180 pounds you know he, he kind of has this bigger frame um but doesn't really have the size to match it um he's he's bulked up he's fast very productive there, Oregon. I think Troy Franklin maybe has a shot at the first round, but isn't really getting that hype. Has already started out to be pretty productive. So I think Troy Franklin's one of the best receivers in this class, high recruit. Checks all the boxes. I'm going to be talking about – I'm going to be writing about this game uh, on Tuesday. Uh, what is the matchup 
the biggest draft matchup I need to focus on in this game? Um, that's a that's a good question because I, I think the problem is Colorado doesn't have a ton of big NFL draft guys, right? Because there are a lot of transfers. We kind of mentioned, you know, the ones that are out there. I I, I think Jimmy Horn going up against. Dante Manning and Evan Williams, the defensive backs for Oregon, is probably my favorite. You mentioned Xavier Weaver as well, depending where he lines up. Um, I think that's going to be a good matchup because I think both Colorado is deep at receiver, Oregon is deep in the defensive backfield, uh, and and that's going to be interesting to see if Shadur Sanders and company can you know can throw on them. Is this the week we see Alton McCaskill finally? I think he's still hurt. I think it's doubtful that he gets uh, gets in the game here. Um, let's move on. Uh, Two thirty on NBC. Shane, you'll be watching Maryland at Michigan State. I called a little bit of Maryland last week. Uh, Michigan State in turmoil uh, as we speak now, as their head coach Bill Tucker's been fired uh, with calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he fired uh, officially? Officially, that is official. He is officially fired yeah, with calls. That happened that. Uh, right. earlier this week. So um, they have moved on. Uh, you can Google that, kids, as to what happened there, allegedly. Yeah. Um, but who are the who are the players for Michigan State to watch out for? Uh, I know the linebacker um, Winman is 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 a solid prospect. Uh, anybody else? Yeah, their linebacker group in general, I think, is good. Winman, Jacoby Winman, um, he was one of the players suspended for the Michigan incident last year uh, in the tunnel, but is a good player. Cal Halliday, the other linebacker, I like a lot. Um, look out for Chris Bogle, too, the edge rusher, uh, transferred. Um, I, th- I think was a transfer in there a couple years ago, uh, if I'm not mistaken. is pretty good, too. Michigan State definitely – a little more bereft of talent than they have been the past couple of years when we talk about the NFL draft. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, nothing really stood out to me last week about Maryland. Uh, we, we talked about Gottlieb Yedzi, the offensive tackle. You were correct, and he is a, a reserve. He did get in, but not a lot. Um, the other game that I guess will draw eyeballs at 2.30 on CBS is uh, Mississippi at Alabama. We're going to talk about Alabama a little bit more in depth, uh, Jalen, uh, a little bit later. Jalen Milroe back as the starting quarterback again uh, after last week's benching and their inability to score points against South Florida. Maybe, maybe benching. There's some rumors maybe he was actually suspended and they didn't, uh, you know, that was the reason. So I, it's a little, little mysterious by Nick Saban here. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, or, or not. We'll never know. Probably. We probably will never know. Uh, Lane Kiffin, as he tends to do, stirring the pot this week. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I really want to watch their tight end, Michael Trigg, because I know you're, uh, you're a big fan of his. Uh, I wish Spencer Sanders was their quarterback and not Jackson Dart. I don't know what happened there, um, but he is not. Uh, and Ulysses Bentley, the fourth, the running back, uh, getting a little talk up this week uh, in in the trades. Yeah, I, I mean he's he's getting a little bit of play. I mean Quinchon Judkins, their starters, a stud for for 2025, but uh, Bentley's getting some play. Alabama, I know they're kind of down, 
But, I mean, their defense still has some beast edge rushers. Uh, I think both Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell both are playing exceptionally. Um, you know, Turner playing a spot from last year, Braswell filling in the Will Anderson role in that defense, and, and they're both playing really well. Um, I really like J.C. Latham, the athletic big offensive tackle for Alabama. So, you know, I think uh, he'll play well. And he's going to go up against Cedric Johnson, the edge rusher from Mississippi, another super athlete, 265, but electric first step. That's a matchup I'm excited about. Yeah, right tackle is not the issue for Alabama. Left yeah. tackle is a Left huge tackle, issue right now. Huge issue. Right tackle is not. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about Alabama coming up. Uh, 6 p.m. on Fox, I'll be watching the Battle of the Tupac. Uh Oregon State, Washington State, the last two members of the Pac-12 after next after this season. Um, They're gonna be playing every week in a year, I guess. I think so. And this is a hell. This is a hell of a matchup. It's a top twenty-five matchup. Yeah. This week, uh, how about the resurrection of DJ Uyungle this year? Uh, go on, Shane. No, look, I, I'm just saying when when Kate Klobuk for Clemson also looks bad. And DJU looks good now. You're like, it, it, is it Clemson? Is it uh, is it Davo Sweeney and not the talent? You know, but, I, yeah. I, people just, are you know, saying, people saying. are saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, DJU looks, looks like he's better. he's back. Uh, he's back, and if he keeps playing like this in a year, he could be an NFL draft pick. This is a fun quarterback matchup with him and Cam Ward uh, from Wazoo. Uh, looking forward to this, and uh, I was feel like I was one of the first ones to talk about edge rusher Brennan Jackson, but he is now uh, a draftable player, it looks like, uh, coming off the edge for the Cougs. We'll see. All right, Shane, your old standby here, Notre Dame, uh, hosting your alma mater, Ohio State, 6.30 p.m. on NBC. Uh, everybody that is watching the 2.30 games will immediately watch this game, and it'll be a huge number on NBC uh, with two big brands here. We, we, we've talked about Notre Dame a lot already. So I feel like this is the fourth time uh, we, we've talked about them in four weeks. Um, so let's talk about – let's focus mostly on Ohio State here. Um, can, can Notre Dame at the corner position match up with these wide receivers for the Buckeyes? I think I think that's where the game's decided because Notre Dame has some good corners, Clarence Lewis, Cam Hart. Can they cover Marvin Harrison Jr., Amike Buka, true freshman Carnell Tate, Julian Fleming? You know, Ohio State is, is just so deep at receiver. I think that's going to be the question and, and really comes down to um, the quarterback play. And we've seen every Ryan Day quarterback become a first-round pick. Quarterback Kyle McCord Officially the full-time starter now for Ohio State has not looked that way so far. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a question is if he can get the ball to those receivers. But, I mean, I think Harrison and Egbuka both are first-round picks and maybe the top two receivers drafted in the 2024 NFL draft. Is this the Sam Hartman is an NFL prospect statement game for you? I just I don't know. Even if he plays out of his mind, beats Ohio State by three touchdowns, like I don't know if that does it. Like you know, I don't know if there's a way. Is his arms not going to get stronger per se? And um, but I've said that about a lot of guys who then get you know Kenny Pickett was a player. Where I was like you know he can't really do anything to get drafted highly and ends up a first round pick. So maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. Um, you know the Ohio State defense 
has some really good pass rushers and uh, some, you know, safeties. He, so he's going to have to play his top game, I think, to, uh, to beat them. There you go. That's going to do it for our week four uh, college fall preview. Some fun games to watch for sure this weekend. All right. Let's, let's try to actually make people money this week, Shane. Uh, we both lost this by a, uh, some garbage, garbage points. None worse than me when Brian Ferentz trying to trying to help his uh, help himself out here punches in a garbage touchdown with 30 seconds left to give Iowa the cover against Western Michigan. I don't want to talk about that anymore. But we're both two and two now, and that leads me back to old tried and true, Shane. I'm going back, going back to the well. The Jacksonville State Gamecocks have played three <laughs> games this year, Shane. Yeah. And they've covered them all. All right. All right. They're at home this week against Eastern Michigan and a six and a half point favorite. Give me Jack State and Rich Rod to cover six and a half. Rich Rod just making you money over there. Uh, look, I, I'm, go, I'm going big. I'm going big numbers. I, I've watched Georgia now against your South Carolina Gamecocks. Again, against. Uh, through this whole season, I don't think Georgia is as good as the national perception has them. I'm taking UAB on the road at Georgia, plus 41 and a half. Uh, Jermaine Brown, their running back, their quarterback, Jacob Zeno. Like, I, I think there's some offense for UAB. I think they can score a couple points, maybe a garbage time touchdown for a backdoor cover and uh, be within 40 points of the Georgia Bulldogs. That is a lot of confidence in over his head head coach Trent Dilfer there. All right, look, look, I, I'm not saying Trent Dilfer is going to be the reason, but all, all he's got to do is just hands hands back, let the offense score like 21 points, and I don't think Georgia's getting to 60 in this game. There you go. Uh, Dejon Edwards can't score that many by himself, I guess. So UAB plus 41 and a half at Georgia is Shane's lock of the week. I go with Jacksonville State at home a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Eastern Michigan. So that's – fingers crossed we make money this week yes, on yeah. those. Uh, I want to talk about Alabama a little bit more in depth because someone posed the question earlier this week on Twitter, have we seen the end of the Nick Saban dynasty here? And there's a lot of factors in here that that could play into this. But have we seen the end? of Alabama's run as a prominent pr dominance of college football? I I, th I think it's a complex question. I think we have seen the end of this dynasty, if that makes sense. I don't think it means that in five years, ten years, Alabama can't come back and be that again. But I think in today's NIL and different – college football environment with recruiting and bringing players in, in the transfer portal. Um, I, I don't think Alabama has a leg up. Like Nick Saban was kind of the first in that in terms of the transfer portal and making use of it. Jameson Williams was a huge addition to that team. And what do they do? What do they do now? You know, Jermaine Burton, who ends up not playing well, wasn't that good of a player to begin with. Tyler Buckner, you know, played quarterback was God awful last week and was awful at Notre Dame. Like Alabama and Nick Saban haven't used the transfer portal 
They're still bringing in high recruits, but not so much a quarterback, and they're not developing those guys. They have kind of an old-school mentality that I just don't think works in bringing young talent there. I, I think in the next 10 years, Alabama does not win a national championship and maybe only wins the SEC once or twice in the next decade. Somebody had made a, a point about it, and I, and I made I, I made a note to write it down. They basically said that, and I'm not I'm not even factoring NIL here because Alabama's got money. I'm not. NIL. They have money, but 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 they're not spend they're not spending it in the way that other schools are. You know, they're they're not giving those type of deals to recruits and to players to come play for Alabama, or they would have had the best transfers in every position this year and they didn't, you know, my, my thought is, it's like, I think the transfer portal is the biggest factor here, not necessarily in the transfer portal out because in the past, while Nick Saban has stockpiled these number one recruiting classes every year and just stockpile these five stars on top of five stars on top, of, basically everybody on his two deep was either a five-star player or a high four-star, a blue chip prospect everywhere on the two deep. Well, now them cats ain't got to sit around no more. They can go out and transfer out, get an opportunity to play, and, you know, basically anywhere and play earlier, right? So they don't have to sit around. I mean, they, they come in after their freshman year and like, yeah, this ain't, this ain't what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to go. And I think that's to be the biggest problem here with um, – and I think player – I think quarterback – maybe not necessarily quarterback development, but they're not – like they don't have the first-round wide receivers on their roster now that they had for years. So the offense is kind of stagnated. Where's the Derrick Henry or the Najee Harris is at right now? They don't even really have that at running back, and that's what they were known. How many years in a row did Alabama have a running back drafted? High, high in the first in the top 100. I mean, where's is that guy on this roster right now, Shane? In your opinion, is there a top 100 running back on this roster? No, and the only ones that are like haven't played right. True freshman Justice Haynes, but like Jace McClellan clearly isn't that guy. When Roy Dell Williams outplays him this past week, like, yeah, they don't have it. They don't have a top 100 receiver. They brought in Malik Benson from Juco. It's really fast, and they barely used them. All the five star recruit receivers they have. Uh, aren't good and the ones that were decent like Joe Joro transferred out. You know, so I, I think I think it's difficult for to keep that consistency. Like you said, you almost built this to gel as units, you know, when you get the chance. And that that's gone. I mean that, that can't happen anymore with the transfer port. And it almost seemed like every quarterback there was next man up. We we always have another guy ready to go. I mean you went from Jalen Hurts to Tua to Mac Jones to Bryce Young. And now it's like, who's that next guy to the point that – and you bring in Tommy Reese's offensive coordinator, this feels like a mistake. Notre Dame fans were happy to see him go. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he brings along yeah. his quarterback, Tyler Buckner, who is – like I said, if, if South Carolina had more than five players on defense in the Gator Bowl, he's damn sure not the Gator Bowl MVP, and they're not winning that game. So, and then to bring in Tommy Reese and then Jalen Milrose, the starter who should be running the football. I mean, this should be a new age offense and it's just not, 
you know, and, and that's something that I, I think if, if they can't do that, it's going to be really difficult to, uh, to succeed. I mean, the offense looks like a mid tier sec offense and that's just not going to cut it. Yeah. It took you three and a half quarters to put away South Florida. I don't care that the weather was awful that whole game. It doesn't matter. The old Alabama teams would not have played that game that close. And they got just beat up by Texas. Not just – that wasn't just a, a close loss. That was – they got physically beat up in that football game, which is not something you could say about Alabama teams in the past. I Now, now look, I'll say Nick Saban, I still think he's a great coach. I still think he has the ability to pull this together and win a bunch of games this year and put a ton of egg on my face and our faces after this. I like, I would, there's no other coach I would want in the country than Nick Saban still to this day. I think he's the Correct. best coach in the country, but you have to, you know, you have to figure out how to make this work. Uh, I mean, look at what Lincoln Riley's doing at USC. You have Caleb Williams and we recruited the Malachi Nelson to sit for a year and go in and he's going in and we're actually getting him to that point before it happens. Right. Like I, I think you have to have that plan and, and then it just doesn't seem like Alabama has that plan to develop young players. Yeah. It certainly seems like uh, a, a Sith transfer of power here for the star Wars reference from Nick Saban, Sith Lord over to Kirby smart is now he seems like the new, uh, the new guy running the show in college football uh, to a, maybe not to this extent, but it seems like Clemson also having these similar issues uh, with, with the way they've handled things as Dabo's even more hard headed about the whole deal than Saban is. But I just don't hate that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it almost feels like it's it's finding someone to run the offense. Right? I mean, they brought in Garrett Riley at Clemson to bring the new age TCU offense, and it's not – if you don't have a, an, an original, you know, an, a head coach with that offensive mind that can be creative, then you better have an offensive coordinator that can do it. And if you do, they're going to be gone for head coaching jobs. So you better be able to keep keep that going. I think it's so keep, hard to keep, do in college Keep it football. churning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be Saban's problem. He's finally run out of uh, finally run out of offensive coordinators that can become head coaches. Right. We saw it with Kiffin. We saw it with Sarkeesian. Bill O'Brien to a lesser extent, I guess. Um, and now he's got Tommy Reese. Yeah. So. So yeah, we'll we'll revisit this when Alabama's a playoff team later in the year, and well, you know. Oops. <laughs> anyway, so that's going to do it for that. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about. We'll, we don't have to talk about this very long, but the uh, word on the street is this week that the two spring leagues, the XFL headed up by The Rock and the USFL headed up by a group of TV networks, uh, seem to be uh, headed for a merger. Uh, is this good, bad, indifferent? Mostly indifferent. I mean, I, I think it's good just to consolidate talent. Yeah, but, it should uh, help. Should help sur- help the survival. I would imagine of this. Yeah, to to not be kind of kind of out on your own. So we'll see. I, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed watching both. I think both have had an entertaining product this past year. So maybe this gets some more publicity there. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it could be a good thing. I guess we'll see. I'm with you. I'm kind of indifferent on it. I want one of these leagues. I wanted one of them to survive because we desperately need something like this to develop players. Um, but we'll see if, if this makes a hill of beans, I guess. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, let's answer some questions of which we have one. Uh, good buddy Sal over on Twitter asked, uh, this question is for both of you. Uh, who is your quarterback three in this year's class and why? Also, which one of that group of quarterbacks after the first two do you just not see it happening in the NFL? That's a, The second part's a very loaded question. Uh, obviously, I think we're pretty solidified. Quarterback one is Caleb Williams. Quarterback two is Drake May. I think we're pretty good in saying that. So who is your current QB three uh, at the moment? And – and we'll get to the second question later. For me, it's Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix has proven himself last year, be consistent in an offense that a lot of NFL teams are running. Um, he's actually more of a runner than Caleb Williams is, which I think would surprise a lot of people. But Bo Nix had a decent chunk of rushing yards last season. Started off with a bang this year. I think if he has a big game against Colorado, like we said, I think then the national media will start to be like, oh, maybe this is, you know, isn't the Auburn Bo Nix anymore. It, I think it's tough to swallow, but um, he, he's he's legitimately extremely accurate with the football, good footwork. Um, but it seems to it seems to go through progressions much better than I ever saw him do at Auburn. Uh, I you know I think I think he's legitimate, and really for me right now. Quinn Ewers from Texas is probably the only other one in that conversation uh, for me. I don't even, I don't currently have Quinn Ewers on my quarterback rankings. So I've never actually officially watched a game of his. So until I do that, I don't put a player on my rankings. So that's why Quinn Ewers isn't currently in the conversation for me. Currently my number three quarterback is Bo Nix. And that is a very tough pill for me to swallow because I don't think many draft analysts have been as critical of Bo Nix as I have over the past two plus years. So, but he is probably the third best quarterback in this class. I think Riley Leonard of Duke could get there uh, at some point. I like Jordan Travis, um, but he's got some issues. And I also like Michael Penix, but he also has some issues. Uh, his second part of that question was, which of the next group of quarterbacks do you just – let's rephrase this because I, I, I think I get what he's trying to say is, who is the quarterback that's getting hyped up to QB3 levels in this class that you just don't see it, Shane? I, I mean, if, if I had to pick one that I don't think makes it – it could make me look really bad. I, I think it's Michael Penix the quarterback from Washington, who I think is going to get QB3 hype. I mean, he's thrown for 12 touchdowns. That Washington offense is spectacular. Dynamic. I, you know, I, I mean, both Romeo Dunze and Jim McMillan, two receivers, are going to get drafted in the top 100, and their third receiver, Jalen Polk, probably will be in a year. You know, to, to me, I think just the style of play from Michael Penix, he does – he can't move in the pocket, ton of injury history. Um, a lot of the throws, you know, are really – predicated before the snap throw it down the field or it's very soft short passes screens um short slants to me that that's a lot harder of a transition to the nfl maybe i look bad if he does this all year what he's done the first three games 
then yeah, someone's going to draft him, I think, way too high. Um, but I, I just don't think that style is going to work in today's NFL as a statue starting quarterback. I think it's really hard to, to make work. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of times he wants to run. He wants to be a modern quarterback and just doesn't have that skill set um, in him, in my opinion. Three things that I have in my notes working against Michael Penix are age. I think he's probably going to be like an age 24 quarterback as a rookie. He's a sixth year player, uh, the injury history, and he's left-handed. Those are my three negatives I have against him. I just have a thing against left-handed quarterbacks. I, I, it just makes for a bad evaluation for me. Uh, I, I would, I'm going to go, I'm going to say quarterbacks get hyped up with as potential QB three that I have yet to see it. Uh, and I know you've talked about it as well, Shane. Uh, Michigan's J.J. McCarthy is not a quarterback I am currently on board with uh, for reasons. Uh, Jordan Travis, again, I love Jordan Travis as a prospect, or as a player. I really do. But injuries with him as well has to be – I think he's going to have some – like uh, his injury history is going to get leaked out after the draft and it's going to be bad. Yeah, I, I think I think McCarthy threw three picks against Bowling Green here. Not all his fault, but he only threw thirteen passes and three of them were interceptions. Is not great. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I think McCarthy could get there, maybe not in this class. Um, neither of us mentioned Shadur Sanders. Do you think he has a chance to be QB three in this class? In this class, no, because I don't think he's going to be in this class. Sure, the quarterback in Colorado, but like if he declares, you know, I mean, if very he well could be. Yeah. If he continues playing how he is, like you got right, you got almost got to go. And you got I, to. You got. I'm you with got, you. You got to consider it. I'm with you. I don't think he does. I think he stays another year for his dad and wins some games and go to the Big Twelve and win a lot more games than he will in the Pac-12. Uh, but he's played well so far. Yeah, yeah. If he does, if he continues on the arc he's on right now and declares for this draft, he's definitely in the conversation for QB three when it's all said and done. So that's going to do it uh, for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown Podcast. Any final thoughts on anything we've talked about or anything that we've got coming up? No, I dropped a seven-round mock draft this week. You can check that out at Draft Countdown. Also updated my top 100. Um, so if you want to look at that as well, you can check that out. But uh, I'm excited for this week, college football. I think it's going to change a lot of a lot of things for the draft and a lot of opinions. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of big games this week that we're going to talk about. So that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Draft Countdown Podcast. Uh, As always, if you're new to the channel, please hit the subscribe button and uh, subscribe to our channel. We would really appreciate that. Uh, Like our videos and uh, hit the notification bell so you get notified when we go live. If you listen to this on an audio platform, be it Spotify, be it Apple Podcasts, or wherever, uh, please give us a five-star review and uh, share out that – podcast so all your other uh friends and circles can be informed like you are uh, when you listen to the show um you can follow me on twitter at deep fried draft follow shane on twitter at shane p hallam follow draft countdown on twitter at draft countdown and go to DraftCountdown.com for all of your daily draft needs uh i'm brian it's shane good night everybody <laughs>